0: The following is a Just Green production brought to you by the Might Be News Network.
1: (laughs) So nice! I'm gonna put in my butt and twist it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Might Be Brews the podcast i don't know what to say this is the second attempt and i still can't seem to figure out how to do an intro i really thought the, the music was going to stay in my ears again and then it 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 cut out when, as soon as i started talking and it messed everything up but i don't know i think people are used to it that's the, that's the way we do things it's okay
2: it's the best intro ever that, that's that's what you get
1: my <laughs> name is John.
3: Yeah, hi, like a- what are we gonna say you're like a professional golfer, like everything has to be just right. The wind blows, you're backing off that putt, man. Okay? You're not taking it. It's got to be right.
1: It's, there's like a funk sway thing, I think, <laughs> or whatever.
3: What do you think I should play here? <laughs>
1: this is my B-Bruise. This is what you get.
3: Are you short the seven? <laughs>
0: Have her try on the bra. <laughs> it's oh. been a while.
1: <laughs> my name is John.
0: <laughs>
1: With me, as always, Mr. Steve. How you doing, Mr. Happy, Steve? Happy Oktoberfest, everybody. Happy Oktoberfest. <laughs> the man behind the board, my brother Taylor. How you doing, buddy?
2: Hi, everybody. I'm doing great.
1: All right, <laughs> I know you love it when things go off the rails,
2: especially yeah. when it's not my fault. And it's not my fault. I'm always, I'm always all about it. I'm always all about that stuff because you know, unless it's co-host Kevin, then he can go fuck himself. Yeah, but course, especially like when it's you, like I just laugh because it's okay. I know, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. It's okay. All
1: right. Well, it's only the season premiere.
2: It's only the season premiere. I mean, it's only like a big deal. Like it's, it's not. I it's okay. You know, this is a fucking.
1: Whoa. I think people are used to it. <laughs> this is the way we do things it's not always 100 well
2: you've been going live a lot and you don't you didn't have the sounder so at least now you have that going for you
1: yeah that's, that's true what, that's what messed them up yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's what the problem is <laughs> usually you are just like kind of sound funny
3: <laughs> the yeah. sounders sound a little funny on the over the is it over the stream yard
1: yeah as, as long as you're not talking or nobody talks, it comes through perfectly. But as soon as somebody talks, it it, it kind of puts that up front, and mm. uh, and kind of starts muting the audio for us at least. But whatever, we don't need people don't need to hear about this. They need to hear about <laughs> beer. That's what they're here for. Was- so all right, let's get into our guests. We've got two guests with us today. Uh, top center, we've got Seth. How you doing, Seth? Hello, everyone. Good to see you all again, Seth. I, I keep wanting to give you a title. And I don't really have a title for you other than uh, Seth with the Sauce.
0: Yeah, I'm good with that.
1: (laughs) Seth with the Sauce or uh, Everybody's Beer Friend Seth.
3: Yeah, that that works for me.
1: (laughs) Currently a free agent.
3: We got to work on that.
0: free agent with some things on the burner, so we'll see how it all pans out these days.
1: All right, and uh, below me, we've got our buddy Mike. How you doing, Mike?
0: Oh,
4: doing great. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So this is the Oktoberfest episode. And the reason we wanted to do the Oktoberfest episode is Oh shit, Mr. Steve, that's nice. That is a
3: nice sign. I, like it. I, see it. I, had it, I had it in the uh, first part. You didn't you didn't look at the screen there, I guess. Wow.
1: No, I, I was probably zoned out on something else.
3: I won this at, like, the Goshen Fair or something, like throwing pennies or something in the beer spines or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's cool, though.
1: That is awesome. So in this Oktoberfest episode, uh, the the reason we kind of decided to do it is um, I really don't have a lot of experience or understand really the history or what Oktoberfest is all about. Now that um, I, I, I personally still feel like I'm a new craft beer fan. And even though I have been drinking craft beer uh, for a few years now, I still feel like I'm learning every day. Uh, There's a lot that I don't know. And seeing these Oktoberfest beers hit the shelves this time of year and hitting the tap lists, uh, I wanted to know more about it. And I think that there's a lot to learn when it comes to the style of beer, the festival itself, how people celebrate and things like that. So um, I kind of want to break that down. And that's uh, what we're hoping to do with Seth and Mike. But uh, before we get into it, let's go around the room here and see what we are sipping on. I'll start. Um, we've got a East Branch Mars in, which is, uh, I guess, which you could say is their Oktoberfest. Um, shout out to Seth and Gov um, for hooking us up with uh, with the Mars in a little early. But uh, it, it's funny, because so Seth's the only one that really understands because we got that little growler. Mr. Steve came over about 15 minutes before we were starting recording, so I poured myself a glass, put the cap back on, and let him take the the rest of the growl to his house, so that we could both share the same beer uh, while we're doing the show.
0: Yeah, I don't, but, uh, think I don't think they're releasing it until next week, but it'll be in uh, on draft and in, uh, I think Pounders this year. Actually, I think mean, they're gonna they're gonna rise up and put it in Pounders, which is pretty cool. That's
1: exciting. Idea. So, Mr. Steve, obviously, you're sipping on the same thing—the East Branch Marsden. Is that what he's I, I, calling it? Does he have a name for it?
0: Uh, the name for it is Maggie. Really? Yeah, Maggie, Maggie. Um, is to, not to get too far down the rabbit hole. Maggie is Sean McGettigan's wife, and she's
1: is, the owner. One of the is owners. She, yes, yeah.
0: and she is a huge fan of the Marsden style. Nice. So they named it after her. Um so it is Maggie with the uh I don't know the technical term for the two dots above the eye, but uh <laughs> that's what it is. Uh so that is uh yeah, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so that is that is the name of the game.
1: Nice. Taylor, what are you sipping on?
2: Uh, right now, I am sipping on one of my newest uh, favorite sours. It is Platform Beer Company Tart Fizz. It's a sour ale brewed with natural flavors, peach and lemonade. Where
1: is it? Peach it is. and lemonade sour. Is it good?
2: It's really good. It's like. Is it
1: nice and light? Is very it, uh, light,
2: very refreshing. Um, and John, you and I uh, briefly talked today. I, you know, I I've been really getting into sours. So is Jackie, and um, you know. Right now, we're doing this remote, and I'm just going to bring at least one sour a week for starters. I mean, if I find a different beer that I really like, you know, cool, I'll bring that. But I really like sours. I've been really getting into it, and I think that this is one of my favorite ones. It's, like, not too overpowering with the peach. Um, It's, like, a really nice mix of peach and lemonade and... um, I just imagine that this would be great after just like cutting the lawn or get home from work. I I love it right after work. But like, you know, just you're hot and sweaty. This is a really good beer. It's really good. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, I think it'd be an interesting uh, segment for us to think about starting to, you know, have Taylor bring his new beer. I mean, we we were doing Drink It or Sink It's with him and, and trying to, you know, convert him to a craft beer fan. And,
2: I've evolved. You, know, I've evolved. you, you have guys, evolved. You, you guys won. Mr. Steve, you won. <laughs> you guys won. I am a beer guy now. Uh, I wouldn't so go so far as to say beer nerd or anything like that, but I am a beer guy. I like Uh, Jackie and I have really enjoyed going to the beer distributors and just kind of going around. One thing that doesn't make sense to me, I know know you guys have a show to do here, but uh, one thing that really doesn't make sense to me about beer distributors, there is no rhyme or reason to the way things are set up. If you're a beer distributor and you're listening to me right now, put all your sours in one spot for me. Can you do that for me? Because I don't know what is what and there's no sour aisle. I need a sour aisle.
1: It depends on where you go. Because, you know, some places are better than others, you know, and they might, they might set them up by region. Like if you go into Thorndale beverage, as soon as you walk in on your right, it's all Pennsylvania beers. Yes. You see the trogues and the victory and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, for, for loose six packs and things like that. That's where they've I got, got this. a, um, a more pop. I don't know what to call it, but they've got a more popular, you know, IPA or, or craft beer section. And I don't know, we could talk about that another time. I always ask people, like, when you walk into a place like that and you see that many beers. It's
2: overwhelming. And you're like,
1: how? Do, yeah, it is overwhelming, but, like, how do they... It must be a nightmare logistically just to, like, to buy all that stuff and hope to push it and to put it in front of people correctly. And I don't know, the, the whole thing. That, that's a whole other conversation, but... Um, it's, but a yeah.
0: tough, it's a tough landscape to, to navigate through because... Do you want to do it by brewery? Do you want to do it by style? Do you want to do it by region? Do you want to do it by... There's like a thousand different metrics yeah. to look at. It's, it's a tough thing. Like, I would walk in distributors and have no clue what they were doing. And I'd walk into some and be like, oh, this makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, as a cons- I always try to myself as a consumer. Like, okay, like this makes sense. Like, I can find what I'm looking for pretty easily. But... you know, everyone does it differently. I think the ones that do it by brewery are are kind of where it needs, like that's kind of the, I think the status quo, like with big distributors, like we're going to do it by brewery. So if you're looking for that, you look for that brewery, you're going to go. Um,
2: I walk in and I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) You watch people
0: walk around lost for 15 minutes. (laughs) It's entertaining for me, probably not so much for that. But, uh, And, and to, if you guys are getting into sours, I would highly recommend you also get into Tums yeah, um, and
2: yeah. of-
3: <laughs> <laughs> If it were up to me, I would set up the distributors uh, by last name of Brewmaster alphabetically. <laughs> reverse, Z to A, the Brewmaster's last name. Woo! That, it makes it much easier to flow for me. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> okay. No, I <I'm> this... <laughs> I got to say, when I was starting to get into craft beer, it, it was nice to, you know, when I would go to places like Wegmans, and and they sort and have their stuff on the shelves in that way, um, not only by region, but also by brewery, you know, I started to really take a liking to Half Acre, and I liked finding, like, going right to that section, looking at those Half Acre beers, what haven't I had yet? Oh, that, that Black IPA looks interesting, or you know, um, whatever, just any style that they had, I was always willing to try it. And it was nice being able to find the breweries that you like and being able to find them easily and, and try new things.
0: Yeah, no, I think Lightman's model on on the way they set their their uh, shelves is pretty smart, I think. Um, and I agree, I think Half Acre is, is an absolutely fantastic brewery. Um, and I've never had anything from them that I was like, oh, I'll never have that again. Like it, Everything I've had from them has been, on the up and up. And and I, I, honestly, I agree with you. I, I like the way Wegmans does it because they do it by region, but by alphabetical in the region. So mm. it's like, oh, I'm looking for this that's made in Chicago. It's Midwest, mm-hmm. it's an H, it's easy for me to find.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, Seth, while we got you, what are you sipping on there?
0: Uh, I have the Brothers Kirshner uh, Autumn, which is their Marzen um 5.4 percent pretty nice easy drinking marzen i like it a lot i'm a big Oktoberfest fan um it's probably my favorite seasonal style um and has been for a while um um but i'm a big fan of this beer it's a good beer
1: nice mike what do you got
4: so i got the polliner Oktoberfest in the mug gotta drink it proper and then uh, i'm actually double fist and i got this hill farmstead susan i'm uh, i'm finishing off my buddy stop by with some of these so savoring the can
1: yeah for sure there's nothing wrong with uh with some hill farmstead
0: oh never never get old sean hill
1: i would love absolutely. to get more of those beers somehow i'm so, sure everybody you would here for after, a
4: minute after the podcast hit me up i'm up there pretty regularly it's not it's like three hours for me
1: okay nice absolutely yeah all right well hey um to get into the whole Oktoberfest thing you know, I want to learn more about the styles. I want to learn more about the festival. Uh, Mike, I want to start with you because you've actually taken that trip. Uh, you've been to Munich a couple times. So if you could try to help fill us in on maybe some of the history of Oktoberfest and also what the experience is like at the actual, uh, festival.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been fortunate enough to go twice. Um, both times work day for, which, you know, can't beat that. Um, but all in all, it's, it's, I mean, it's a huge party. So traditionally, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Germany, typically like northern Germany, Bremen, Hamburg, like that area. Um, and the Germans are really, really reserved with how they take beer, um, how they imbibe um, beer in general. It's, it's typically, you know, a beer-centric um, culture they focus more on the flavors and things like that. Whereas, you know, us Americans, you know, we grow up either you know, in college, we're partying or in our twenties, we're going out to the bars and, you know, overindulging on, you know, these light lagers and things like that. Whereas Germany, it's more, um, hey, we go after work, we'll have a beer, um, we'll have one beer with dinner and we'll really savor it. And, you know, we'll talk about German purity laws and things like that. And that's a real thing there. Um, So from that standpoint, our beer culture and their beer, beer culture are two entirely different things where our cultures kind of collide is at Oktoberfest. Um, so Oktoberfest, I would best describe it as like this huge state fair. So there's rides, there's, you know, Ferris wheels and roller coasters and things like that for the kids. But then you've got, you know, these huge Bavarian cookies that are the size of your torso and schweinhocks and which is pig knuckle that's, fried and then broiled, and so you get the crispy skin and things like that. Um, so that's all around Oktoberfest and all around, you know, Teresweizen, which is the grounds, you know, they call it Weizen there um, for short. Um, so the day starts off, you know, 10.30, 11-ish in the morning. There's a big parade from the center of Munich, and it's all these people playing different instruments, whether it's Glockenspiel or other traditional German instruments. I mean, there's also, like, trombone things like that in the band um things that we would associate with like a, a marching band um and they march from basically the center of munich into treiseisen and, and they're all dressed up in different lederhosens and things like that to represent their different region of bavaria so each tent represents a brewery so each brewery represents a region of bavaria so you've got you know spot and polliner, um, You know, a bunch of them slipped my mind, but there's a ton of them. You know, Franziskaner, whatever. Yeah, you guys get the picture. Um, That being said, each of those tents has their own crew of people, and they go in there and they play, you know, traditional German music, traditional Bavarian music all day, and it's a huge party inside. So you get inside Oktoberfest and inside the tents themselves, and it's exactly like what you've seen in the movie. There's these huge wooden tables. They're almost like picnic-style tables. Um, and to get in, you have to buy a ticket, and you basically buy the whole table. Obviously, I'm going over there, it's me and a colleague or me and a friend or whoever. And, uh, and so, you know, we don't buy a table, but you can go on Facebook, and they're pretty easily found. Um groups and you can just buy one or two tickets off of people who can't fill their table and so you go sit at these tables and then you've got your waiters and waitresses um, dressed in the traditional hosen and things like that and it's no joke I mean you've all seen the pictures of you know like 100 pound girls carrying you know 12 you know one and a half liter mugs of, of Mars in or, um, or what else, whatever else they're offering um, and they're just carrying them to your table and so you get inside there and it's a complete party. It's a complete opposite. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Steve's waving the mug around. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got the stainless steel one here. Yeah. Yeah. So has got one too, but exactly. That's exactly what it looks like is, you know, and there's just women carrying them around and, um,
1: yeah. It's How awesome. do they do that? I mean, it, it, are they, are they, you know, doing curls? Uh, I mean, I mean, like all year do. long in preparation. I'm a big dude.
4: I know if I was trying to carry 12, you know, one and a half liter mugs of them, three quarters of them would probably end up on the ground. You, you know, right. you and I would end up with a beer and nobody else
1: would. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Hey, uh, I, I don't know if this is great radio, but I'm going to put some of your um, pictures up on yeah. screen here. And you can hopefully maybe talk a little bit about what we're looking at.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. All
1: right. So can you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that that's at one of the tables. Is that your buddy?
4: Yeah. That's that's um, my colleague Doug. Um, Give us an
1: idea how many people are at this thing. Do you have any idea?
4: So, so all right. So when you so I was talking about those Facebook groups and you can go in and get tickets, right? Right. We aren't even in the tents here. This is like outside the tent. So this is first come, first serve seating. So you go on there and you uh you try and get tickets inside the tent if you can't get tickets inside the tent, you just sit at a table out here.
1: So that's what we're doing
4: here. We had, we had tickets the other two days we went, but this was the first day we were there. So we just ended up sitting at this table. And so you just end up sitting with these random people and these random people, you know, that girl, I, I remember Izzy, we were trying to get her a job with one of our facilities that's overseas. And, um, and so, yeah, you just meet these random people and you can tell, I mean, we're, we're definitely imbibing in a, (laughs) <laughs> and some beers there and uh and just having a blast, it's, it's but it's wild. So, you see, you can kind of see the door behind me. I wish I could, like, you know, have a laser pointer and point at it, but there's the door, you know, over over uh Izzy in the red shirts,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. And so,
4: that's where the parade goes in and out. So, once every hour, they have you know the whole band and the Glockenspiel, and you know, all the people in their traditional German dress. Exactly, right there. That's the parade. And so they basically march in and, you know, they sing their songs and whatever. And they go in and they do a huge show because it, it's literally a gigantic tent. And when I say a tent, I mean, like, you know, we're talking a 100,000 square foot tent. Jesus. Um, that's huge, you know, filled with people. There's got to be, you know, a 2,000 people in there in a whack. And they go in there into the center and, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go.
3: And they march right in
4: there and that's where they're playing music and they're putting on a show and just doing their traditional German dances and things like that. And, uh, it's wild, man. It's, it's, I, it's, it's indescribable. I I tell people all the time, like, you know, if that's your thing. Like if you're into beer fest or whatever, you gotta go, you have to go at some point.
2: Hmm.
3: I know I've been, I've been pulling stuff from off screen here. How impressed would you be if I pulled out a glockenspiel and just held it up to the camera? I would, Be very, very
4: impressed, actually. Especially if you could play it, because those things look complicated.
1: What is a Glockenspiel? Steve, do you have a Glockenspiel?
2: I'll I'll, I'll show you. (laughs) You actually have a Glockenspiel? Yes. I was like, "Are you going to pull it out or not?" I don't
1: know what that is. Do do they do they give you a Stein and you just keep getting it refilled, or you know, is it like traditional bar service when you're done, they take it back?
4: So even outside, even outside, you have a waiter or a waitress and they come out and they say, hey, you know, what do you want? Um, there's a bunch of different beers on the menu. There's, you know, a Rattler. There's, you know, the traditional Marzen, obviously. There's just a regular lager, um, other kind of low ABV options. But typically as a male, even if it gets late in the day, you start to kind of feel the effects of uh, of that, extra, that yeah. extra alcohol in the Marzen. Um, if you try and order a Rattler or you try and order something low ABV, they'll kind of. Holy wow, shit. Wow,
1: there it is. <laughs> there you it thought is. I was kidding. You thought I was kidding.
3: It's, it's, it's basically a set of bells. Okay. Our youngest is uh, taking her percussion classes now, so she's learning how to play the bells.
1: That's awesome. It's very really cool. That's awesome. I wanted
3: to have a pig knuckle, but I don't have a pig knuckle. <laughs> I wish you did. I, <laughs> my Not as much as I do.
1: Mike, are we looking at a, one of the tents here? Is this a tent or a building?
3: Yeah, that's the Hogarten
4: tent. So it, well, they all look like buildings, right? See, so yeah. what's that one? I can't even see it from here.
1: Hacker Festival? Yeah. I don't know.
4: Yeah, so that's another brewery. I, again, there's a ton of different German breweries that you won't even hear of. There's Polliner, which is where I've hung out most of the time. Um, that's kind of one of the bigger ones. That one, Spot, <laughs> and
1: I got a uh, Polliner here myself.
4: Yeah. So, so yeah, those they all kind of look like buildings, but in reality, if you see the roof from the side, they are just gigantic tents. I mean, oh, they're wow. pretty robust. They're not going to like fall on you. Yeah, it's not like you're camping in them, but um, yeah, low and, brow. and then all like you'll see the lion right up on there, and there's like, an yeah. animatronic, you know animations outside and things like that and it's just wild um, they definitely go all out for
0: this
4: there you go Schweinhoxen
1: yeah. pig knuckles oh that's awesome man that's really cool uh, that's
2: really cool
4: that's kind of the main gate yeah the Oktoberfest main gate right there
2: by the end of the day, oh, yeah. are there people just like uh, puking all over themselves, like, uh, or are they just Americans over there? The, the, is that just the Americans doing that?
4: Um, all of the above. <laughs> I mean, you'll see the Germans doing it. You'll see the Germans doing it. You'll see Americans doing it. I mean, like I have a video of like my old boss and he's just stumbling down the street, like walking to the
2: train. I was curious um, I was curious if like German if like, you know, people there are just like tourists. <laughs> you
4: know what I mean? Uh, like, they to, can't an handle extent, it. to an extent. I mean like the older crowd would be, like if you know, like late forties, early fifties, like, yeah, definitely. It depends what day you go. If you go on like a Friday or a Saturday night, um, it's all like the twenty somethings. And I mean you'll go in that You'll go in there and like, it's pretty rowdy. It's like being at spring break almost. Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so you'll see some stuff and you're like, whoa, oh, whoa, well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> but like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just, I've never, you know, didn't expect to see that in Munich. Um, but the whole city in general is kind of just like, as a whole, um, it's it's just a big party. So like, you know, I got in there my first time and I was kind of trying to figure it out. And uh, we just went to a random bar, and it was just jam packed. And it was tourists, it was locals, and it was just everybody was there to party and have a wonderful time. Um, it's definitely difficult to to be angry at Oktoberfest or to
1: like <laughs> to not have
4: a good time. Uh, but yeah,
1: I, is it is it expensive? Is it like going to Coachella and you know spending forty five dollars on a water bottle?
4: No, no. I mean, you're gonna spend like. 12 euros on a you know one and a half liter beer so i mean what does that equal
1: out to like
4: 15 15 bucks for okay basically basically what two and a half beers three beers yeah, almost okay three,
0: almost three beers i mean you're yeah. it's, it's a good deal like
3: it's that's
2: a, not
0: it's bad at all new new deal.
4: yeah i mean so and then they have all the traditional german fare they have the chicken that's split in half and kind of roasted um or you can get the sausage or whatever cool. and even that i mean you're looking at like 15 20 euros for a full meal and i mean you're gonna be you're gonna be well fed after it you're not gonna be complaining um so i mean all in all it's not that bad i think it costs 10 euros to get in or 20 euros to get in which again you're going yeah. to oktoberfest it's not you're not gonna pay you know you're not looking at a, a 500 hundred dollar day every time you go to october yeah Fest.
1: wow that, that's awesome so i mean i think when i was looking I, I did a little bit of research today and i saw that it's Octoberfest is, I think, two hundred and ten years old this year. Yeah. Why do you guys think it's it's so popular and and has continued the tradition for so long? And and do, you, do either of you really have any idea how it's evolved and changed over the years? Seth, you want to go first? Yeah,
0: I, I, so the history of Oktoberfest is actually pretty interesting. Um, you know. When we look at it, it, it was started, the first Oktoberfest took place as a wedding celebration. Um, for the most part, um, it was someone's idea when Prince Ludwig, who then became Ludwig, uh, King Ludwig, married Princess Therese in 1810, they decided to throw basically a huge party and a horse race was the excuse for the party. And so they had the horse race and then the next year comes around and they were basically like, everyone had such a good time. We should do this again. So they did it again. Um, and it went uninterrupted. I'm sorry. There, there was an interruption early. I think there've been 25 years where there was not an Oktoberfest this year. Mm. being One of them. Um, there was, I think, I think actually in the first like five years there was there was a, an issue with the Napoleonic Wars where they didn't have an Oktoberfest. But then it came on strong and they went and they went. And then it became something that other European nations started noticing and coming to take part in. Um, then it became a thing where they had the horse races and the games. And there are people that will say... The history kind of differs on this, whether the Olympic Games were actually inspired by some of the things they saw at Oktoberfest. Because the Greek That's delegation came in the mid-1850s and then went back to Greece and started doing these games in Greece, which in 1896 became the Olympics. Um, there is a little bit of, of historical flex on that. Like Some people say, okay, like yeah, we'll buy that. And some are like, yeah, I don't know about that. So there is definitely a little bit of a of love there. Um, and then it just was something that that took hold as beer kind of became this universal language almost. Um, and the first Oktoberfest, dunkel was the beer that they were drinking. So before I tell that story, let me tell you Back when the German purity laws were being formed, which for all you German speakers, which I'm not one of, so excuse me (laughs) if I'm looking for this, the the Reinheitsgebot, which are the purity laws, were first coming into fruition. They didn't brew beer between mid-March and mid-October. No beer was being brewed because they couldn't logger it at temperatures that would allow the beer to, to... be serviced. They were worried about They didn't really know. Right. Yeah. They, they, they were worried about like issues. So the last beers were brewed in March, which is where the term Marzen comes from. Marzen is, is, is German for March. Um, okay. Now they were able to lager those beers in caves and in cellaring options. And they would drink them throughout the summer as they came ready and harvest time comes around, and, and so they decide to drink the rest of what they have before they start dri- start brewing again in October. But that's like 1516, 1517, when, when right. we're seeing those laws come into effect. And so then we have this wedding, we have this idea, we have this party, and it catches on. It's, it's a thing. Like, oh, we had a great time. Let's keep going. Like, let's keep doing this. And so it slowly and slowly and slowly builds steam. Um, By the hundred year anniversary, they're estimating somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 to 130 liters of beer being consumed. Um, Obviously the early part of the 19th century or the first half of the 19th century saw a whole lot of issues. We had World War I, uh, where there was no Oktoberfest for five years. and then after World War One, Oktoberfest was replaced by what became like a harvest celebration. Um, and then we had hyperinflation in Germany in, Germany in the mid-20s. That canceled Oktoberfest. Then Hitler, when he came to power, used Oktoberfest as a platform for him. It became ingrained in the Nazi ideology because it was a nationalist thing unique to Germany. And he kind of used that as a way to spread his message and propaganda with a captive audience or a drunk audience, as the case may be. Um, right. And so that is kind of where we were at, at, at mid-century. Um, now, once we came out of World War II, there was also no Oktoberfest from 38 to 45, I believe. Um, once we came out of that, we start seeing more of like what Mike experienced. We start getting into like, people are traveling there for They're going, it becomes a huge tourist attraction. It becomes a big deal for people outside of Munich, which it wasn't before that. Um, it's also important to note that in 1872, I believe, Spaten, who was the only brewery that was operating in, um, Oktoberfest at the time ran out of Dunkel. And they had a young brewer at the time who had brewed an amber lager. He introduced the amber lager in 1872, and all of a sudden, Dunkel was no longer the preferred style of Oktoberfest. It became an amber lager, which is more similar to what we drink today when we think about a Marzon style beer. So from 1872 up until 1950 something? I believe I'm not a hundred percent on those dates that became kind of the thing. And, and, and it went off without a hitch for, for years. And then in 1980, there was a bombing. Um, there was a bombing by a far right group that came in and wanted to make a statement. And so they planted a bomb at the, the gate that, you, that Mike showed earlier in that picture, the main gate, they planted a bomb at that gate and it killed 13, I think 13 people. And after that, they kind of it was a free for all before that, and not that it's not a free for all now, but before that, it was a real free for all. Okay, and yep. They kind of reeled it back in and said, "Hey,
1: a lot let, more organized. Let's
0: get this organized." Yeah. That's when the tents, the, the, the separate tents started for the six breweries that, that are allowed to pour at Oktoberfest. Um, and we, from 1981, I would say we start to see what we have now they started to bring back in families they started to bring back in a fair like like I fair type atmosphere we're gonna have rides we're gonna have pretzels we're gonna have booths we're gonna have this it's considered a folk festival it's the largest folk festival in the world but they got back into that mentality of family friendly up until six o'clock so they have a hard six o'clock get your family out of here at six because we don't know what's going to happen after six. Right. It's a test that when the lights go down, things get a little wonky, um, which is not a bad thing, yeah. bad thing but it is kind of where we are at that. But what we saw was this idea that now these six breweries that run Oktoberfest that are still, that are still uh, um, adhering to Rheinsing are August Steiner, see if I can remember all these, um, Hacker, Brow, Polliner, Spotten, and Hoffra. So those are your six. Yep, and I'm impressed. <laughs> um, what they've done, and this is probably going to do a different segment, but I'll hit on it real quick. The Marzins We Drink in America, that our breweries are making, like your Sierra Nevadas, your Great Lakes, your East Branch, your Brothers Kirchner, your Animated, um, Yingling, even you know any Marzen you're drinking in America, is different from the majority of beer consumed at October. Oktoberfest has switched to a more of a, a Munich Hellis um, for reasons that it was more palatable to the the Germans. For, for, for that it's lighter and it's a little bit lower ABV and like my Canada you're drinking all day so you'll want to not have everybody falling over by 6 p.m um what and what those breweries export to America so I think you, you said you had the spot in John right is that the, the one you guys have or the polliner
1: Polliner. Oh, I got polliner
0: you a polliner is actually only about four to 5% of what served at Oktoberfest from those guys. They brew that to ship to us because we have taken on Oktoberfest more than any other country in the world. We kind of, we have a tendency to do Americanized it. Um, and we've brought it to our shore with a little bit different flair, a little bit different feel, um, and not necessarily a bad thing. I think, I think it's good, actually. Um, but that's kind of a, a brief history of the way the, the festival progressed over the years. Now, we're never going to have anything here like they have in Munich. Um, I, I will take this opportunity to mention that I floated that idea as our honey, my wife and I's
1: honeymoon. <laughs> it How'd it go? Fun.
0: Not, not, not well. Not, not well at all. I was like, oh, we'll go to Oktoberfest uh, and we'll go to Belgium. It'd be great. She was like, great for you, not so much for <laughs> So we went to Costa Rica instead. Um, but,
1: that's, that's wrong with that.
0: right, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of a, a brief summary of how Oktoberfest went from a wedding celebration to this worldwide awesomeness. Um, yeah. And it's really kind of interesting because we don't see any other festivals, whether that be food or music or, or beer that have been around for that long through so many different iterations and still survived and been a viable thing that people want to go to. Like it, it's, it's, it's unique in that aspect.
4: Um, it's real craziness. So like, I'll just tell you like in the hotel, in, just in the hotel itself, you know. So we went to Oktoberfest the first time, and my first experience there, first day, you know, we went hard, like early in the morning, <laughs> and uh, and you know, by three p.m. I was like, all right, I need a nap. Like, holy crap! So you know, went back to the hotel, right? And you know, we were a short train right away, right? Crash at the hotel, you know, I probably woke up at five six p.m. and I'm like, all right, I gotta I gotta get some food in me. And uh, I go down to the hotel bar, and even at the hotel bar, it is packed to the gills with people in lederhosen, and everybody's got a mug of, you know, Oktoberfest in their hand, and they're, you know, just smashing them into one another, and hey, like, it's it's wild. I've never experienced anything like it. Like, Vegas, anywhere else, New Orleans, Mm -mm. Oktoberfest is head and shoulders. Like, I mean, if you're going, like, be ready for a party, Um, but it's an absolute blast, and it... Brings beer culture to the forefront too. It's not, it's not just a party. It's all about
0: the beer as well. Just, right. I, and I think what you said earlier about just about the way Europeans treat beer as opposed to the way Americans treat beer. My yeah. experiences in Europe have been: the pub closes at ten on a, on a regular old night. Like they don't drink late like we do. Like nope. they're not. They're not. It's a very much like food based or. After work, have a couple of pints with your friends. Like, it's a very social. It's a very social, exactly. Right? Not that it's not social here, because obviously it is. Mm-hmm. But there, it's it's built on the idea of social. Like, yeah. binge drinking isn't a thing with them. No, not at it's, all. It's actually frowned upon very and much. And let's face
4: it, America's kind of a culture built on excess a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Europe Europe in general, bit. not just Germany, whether it's, you know, France or Spain or whatever. It's not. It's not at all. And so they don't take that at all. It's it's very much, you know, I mean look at London, it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Go out for a pint with the lads after work and
0: that's it. Yeah, unless there's football on and then yeah.
4: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah,
0: fair enough. Um it's the idea of Oktoberfest to me is so intriguing because it's a festival built around a product. And yeah, in America we have barbecue festivals and we have this and we have that, but we're talking about something that serves over six to 7 million people every time they do it. Like that's, that's the, you know, that's the Philly suburbs yeah. all going to this one event in this one town, and I think Mike can probably speak this more than I can, but other towns in Germany have started doing Oktoberfests. Like, I think yeah. Hamburg has a, a pretty big one, right? It's, it's, it's not, I mean, everywhere.
4: Every, yeah. every like, I'm, I don't want to say every town, so it's not like a minor town's going to have one, but like Bremen, Hamburg, I mean, Stuttgart, Frankfurt, they all have their own Oktoberfest and it's nowhere near... I mean, Munich is, you know, the end-all, be-all right. when it comes to Oktoberfest. But, like, I've been in Bremen, um, which is a relatively small city um, compared to Munich or compared to Frankfurt. And uh, and they have their own Oktoberfest. And they have their own... Um, Christmas festival as well. I was just over there for Christmas time and it's kind of similar to Oktoberfest, where they have these tents and I mean, they're drinking like mulled wine and mulled mulled beer in in those, in those instances. (laughs) Uh, The mulled wine is delicious, but the beer, not so much. Um, But so they're doing that kind of thing there. And so, yeah, they've all taken it and kind of ran with it and made it their own and made it this, you know, German pride. Germans in general are very prideful people and they kind of, you know, want to support their culture and I mean think about anybody you know that you know, their family was you know, their parents came from Germany and immigrated to America. Um, they're all very prideful and they all are supportive of their own culture and kind of want to show you that. Same thing in Germany. Same same exact thing and, and I mean you can look back in history and the German culture has a history of doing exactly that um but it's kind of awesome that you know all these other cities have taken that and ran with it and made their own festivals yearly
1: yeah that, that's amazing um history and just kind of like kind of opens your eyes and makes you understand like what it is what it's about what they're doing out there and, and I'm, I'm glad you guys broke it down the way you did you know explaining how you know the german culture is so much less you know um into drinking on a daily basis a weekly basis and they just go you know big time um for for oktoberfest but you know i kind of want to get into the style a little bit of the beer we kind of talked about it being an amber lager um seth i mean i i know you know you you've um you know you've been in in the brewing process and and you've you've seen um in detail, how some of these guys like brothers Kirshner put this uh, this and together, and in um, East Branch as well. But can you give me some some background on the style and what we should be looking for as far as flavors and and what we're tasting here?
0: Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a unique. It, it, well, excuse me. Let, let me rephrase that. It's not unique to Mar to what we we think of Marsins today. It, it is. It is done with other beers, all, all, all lagers. But the Marzen process for what we drink in America um, has a second mash step called decoction, which if you ask any brewer, they'll tell you is an absolute pain in the ass. But it does get you more flavor out of your malt because you take about a third of, a third of your malt bill, you move it to a secondary... Um, uh, barrel, or excuse me, vessel, and at that point, you heat it up, and then you get it to the point where you get more out of your sugar intake, and then that goes back into your original malt, and heats that up for a second step. It's it's basically a second match. Um, And that allows you to get more color and more flavor out of the husk of your malt, which... Is kind of a stylistic character. It's a characteristic that, that is that is in this country, at least, pretty well in line with the money. Um, at that point, what you're looking for in what we consider to be an Oktoberfest, so something like what what East Branch did and what Brothers Kirshner did and what Great Lakes does and what even when Victory does with fest beer. Um, you're going to get a slightly sweet malty beer with enough hops to provide a good balance to the malt. So the malt shouldn't be overpowering. You should still have that noble hop um, attributes to it, which is a nice balance for a beer of that of that style. Um, now, some breweries different do it differently. Some don't decock. You don't have to. It is considered a, a, a step in it, but you, you, you don't have to do it. You can still pull it these days because our malting has become so much more technologically advanced than it was 100 years ago. So sure. you can get those flavors without doing decoction. I am kind of a purist. I like the idea of decoction, but knowing enough people that have told me it's a pain in the ass, I trust them. Uh, <laughs> so if they can get the same flavor profile out of it, go for it. Um, it's it's Vienna malt and Munich malt for the most part that you want to have. And then you can throw some pills in, um, just for a little bit of a balance. Um, then you put noble hops in and it's a four to six week process and it sits in the tank and you, it, it's obviously the lager. So obviously colder temperatures and bottom fermentation. Um, and it comes out that kind of rich copper color that we're all used to seeing. mm mm-hmm. I think it's an absolutely fantastic style because you get the noble hop out of it, which I think is, is underrated in American brewing. And you also get the sweetness of the malt without either one of them being overpowering. Like it is a easy to drink beer, whether you like Miller white or MD 2020.
2: Yeah. I just it's, cracked open this uh polliner. The Oktoberfest, yeah. and this is really smooth. It's like it's it's not you. It's not Miller Light, but somebody who, like you said, is a regular Miller Light drinker or whatever would would get into this. A Yingling drinker, whatever. This is very approachable. It's not overpowering, like you said. It's is really good beer,
0: and you get the ABV. Like, that's kind of the thing with it. Like you're looking at a anywhere between five, four, and six. Yeah, four. This your is a ADD six. Level. You're getting a little bang for your buck on it. And it it's not a filling beer. You can drink. I think mean, Mike can test this. You can drink five or six of them and not feel like you need to sit down and relax a little bit. Like yep. you, you, can drink them all day. Like they're they're very easy drinking beers.
1: I'm gonna um, put that to the test. <laughs> <laughs> it's Give
0: it a uh, go, John. For it science. Fits. I will be honest with you. If breweries made margins and some of them do year round, I would drink them year round. I think it's a fantastic style of beer that, that's. Highly Did you honest. tell
1: me somebody does, or is that uh, like a, a victory, industry secret? The so
0: like, so victory makes fest beer all year. Um, they do, um, and so you can get it all year. Usually at the, you can't get it in package, but you can definitely get it at at in Downingtown or um, um, all year. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a rich colored copper lager, and you can drink that all the time if you're a lager guy or a pilsner guy. It, it, it's just an easy to drink beer. It's really um, good. And
1: yeah, I, I wish I could tell you what, what I'm tasting right now. So, all right, for one, I don't know if Gov is capable of making a bad beer. Nothing has ever been thin or had like more front end or back end. Everything is so balanced and has a perfect mouthfeel. And like, I'm just always blown away by how good his beers are.
0: Gov will tell you he can make a bad beer. The majority of the rest of us disagree with him wholeheartedly.
1: (laughs) If you guys don't know Gov, I'm talking about East branch. Um, I mean, out of the three that I've had, I mean, I think that that East branch beer, I don't know if it's, he's doing something that takes it a little bit out of style. Maybe, I don't know if it's a little bit hoppier or, or whatever it might be. That to me is, is the favorite one I've had so far.
0: He, I, I will to crush on love for, for a hot second. Like I learned the majority of what I know about brewing from gov. And I think that anybody who passed through victory between the years, of 2013 and 2017 or 16 w- would tell you the same. Um, yeah. He is a very, very, very good brewer. And with what he does with his beer, he tweaks it to make it awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference in a good brewer and a great brewer.
1: Yeah, it's uh, just it's crazy just how how perfectly balanced it feels to me. And um it, it's just, it, it's delicious. So, second up, I did um, Brothers Kirshner, which there's still about half of this Crowler in here. So, we'll see what happens to that. This is so approachable and drinkable. It's very smooth. Um, it's very good. But yeah, it's very smooth. It's a yeah. tad sweeter, I think. Yeah. And um, it's and it's just so easy to drink.
0: Love those And Basil guys. will also tell you that he learned a lot from GovTip. So yeah. it, it's the web, but it's it with a marzen. You want the sweetness, but you want a touch of a hop to it. And if you can conquer those two things, you've done your job. Um, and I think that both those breweries excel with with those beers. Um, I was actually at, at Brother Kirsch yesterday, and Baz and I were having. Um, some of the autumn, which is their Mars and, and I complimented and I was like, this is, this has a touch of sweetness that I like in it. Like it's not too sweet, it's not too malty. The hop balance is there. Like it's a well put together beer. It, it, kind of the difference of lagers and ales, in my opinion at least, is you can hide anything in an ale. And if, if you want to do something with an ale, you can hide something. Like if, if you mess up, you can hide it. You can't do it with a lager. If you mess up a lager or pills, You're dumping it like you can't hide it in those beers because they're too fine of a beer because they're so clean because that right they're clean like they're yeah
1: this this half brow though has I I wish you guys had one it it, to me has like almost a completely unique flavor profile Um,
0: that's the water I would I would assume. It's the water that you're getting that out of water. Believe it or not, is a huge factor in beer. Um, I think that's kind of a, an obvious uh, notation. But what they're doing over there is going to have a little bit different pH balance in their water, and so mm-hmm. you're, that's what you're probably getting out of that. Is is it? You got you got to think different sides of the pond. Sure, water. There's and th- Makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, there's definitely similarities where I can, you know, where, where I can I can taste, but I wish I could put my finger on it. I wish you were sipping it so the educated people could tell me, you know, oh, it's, you know, th- this one in particular is, uh, you know, I don't know if it's like a tad bready, a little extra malty, maybe.
2: These guys have been added since 1589. They are <laughs> one of the original
0: um, Ryan Heitzkabot breweries um yeah. and that's why that's they, not when
1: this was bottled was it
0: i mean you go this, over there this beer is everywhere too right it's, it's one of the bigger ones when you and they have the hopper house so you're like okay like that's yeah. a huge thing um there's a couple of those in america actually i can't yeah there's a bunch yeah there's one in denver
4: maybe? denver i think dc has one DC, I think yeah.
0: big cities, um, big cities like yeah um but you, you find with those like what I, like I said earlier like that's what they're sending over here that we're not serving that as their mass produced product not mass produced but their product in Germany that's a hellas no. that's a Munich Hellas no. um, what they're sending over here is an is a traditional Mars Oktoberfest because we same. that's what we as Americans associate with Oktoberfest
4: same thing with like Franziskaner Franziskaner is right right opera. But yeah. you drink a gunner here, and you're like, okay, this kind of is like almost weedy. It's a you know whatever. And you go over there, and it almost has a sour note to it. Yeah, because I, I remember drinking Francis gunner in Germany, and I go,
0: this is nothing like what we have. At Heineken's the same. Way. A Heineken in Europe tastes nothing like a Heineken in America. Nope,
4: same thing. I, even, really? Even Guinness. I've been to the storehouse yep. in Dublin, yep. and you drink Guinness there, and you're like, wow, this is blowing me away. And then yep. you drink a Guinness here. and It's the same Guinness we've all had on tap
0: a hundred different times. But now they're making it in Maryland. And so it's a water, it it comes down to water. Crazy. It it, it has to.
4: I, so I work with a guy who's Irish born and raised in Ireland and he immigrated here. And he says, Guinness tastes different straight from the tea. And that's like, that's a known (laughs) thing. That's a known thing by people in Ireland. Um, Same thing with Germans.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's it's definitely one of those entities to the beer industry that is pushed around that we don't that if you're not super super nerdy like me you're never gonna like, get because you don't dig into it. But me being a nerd, like I, I dig in and talk to people, and they're like, "Oh, it's this, it's that." It's so it's you kind of get a better idea on how those things matriculate to America.
1: I'm going to tell you guys my only um, Oktoberfest experience. I have this Oktoberfest mug. And uh, in 2017, I was in Breckenridge, Colorado for work. And it just happened to be Oktoberfest. I had no idea. And I wanted to go to Breckenridge Brewery because it was only a couple blocks from my hotel. There's no snow on the hills. So I literally walked across like a ski slope. But it was completely green grass, which was kind of trippy to begin with. And this is one of the pictures I took when I got back into town, looking back kind of towards the hills. Uh, Absolutely gorgeous there. Um, And it looks like it was a Paul Linner was uh, probably the sponsored brewery there. So I think they had a bunch of their beers there. Um, I remember. So I went and got this mug. And um, and kind of walked around, and I had, you know, um, I had I don't know, probably two or three beers. But you know what's crazy? I was I was looking for the Polliner Oktoberfest, the Marzen, and here in America, I don't know if it's the same out there, but the Hefeweizen is everywhere. Yeah, like that's the at least around here probably their top seller, above the the Marzen. I'm yeah, going to guess, at least in America. But the, 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 there were six-packs everywhere, and I had to kind of dig to find this guy. So
4: I happened to just stumble on the Polliner Oktoberfest, and I was like, that's my favorite ten at Oktoberfest. I'm going to buy a six-pack of that. Um, but, no, definitely. I mean, you can find the Hefeweizen just about any time um, year-round, whether it's Polliner. Um, I mean, Spot and Spotting is huge around here. I'm in Western Mass., um and there it's huge around here we have a big like how far big, west um springfield area okay yep yep um right like 20 minutes from treehouse basically yep. um nice so so spotting is huge around here for whatever reason so we have uh like they call it the eastern states exposition the biggie it's a huge basically a state fair but it's all in new england and uh and Spotten is
0: there, and they have the big wagon there and all of that. So, I mean, you can find
1: Spotten just on spot anywhere, all kinds of stuff. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I'd like to get your input and probably Seth's too. Seth is, uh, you know, so into the styles and understands the all that stuff. But, like, what is it about Hefeweizens that makes me hate them? I I don't know what it is about that style, but like, I just can't have in some saisons. What is it?
0: How do you feel about bananas?
1: I eat bananas sometimes.
0: Do you like them?
1: Yeah, no, I I do. I don't think it's that. I I know what you mean. Heffelweizens have that banana, that clove flavor happening. I'll, I'll eat a banana and smoke a clove all day. So I can't, I can't. Sorry, Drink don't. a Hefeweizen.
4: Does it? I'm, I'm a fellow Hefeweizen hater. Yeah, for me, it's like that bready, like weird mm-hmm. flavor, and it almost feels like someone's just pushing on your sinus to the point where you're like about to get a headache, and that's why yeah. I don't like them because I'm like, it, it's the way it hits your taste buds. I like. That's the only way I know how to describe it. it. It may like you guys may laugh at it, or no, that's
0: a fair <laughs> assessment. <laughs>
4: but that's kind of it. Feels like someone's like just pinching my sinuses until I'm like right about at that point where I might get a headache, and then I swallow it and it's gone. But I'm like, I kind of yeah. I, I don't I don't want to come back for more. Like it's okay. Let me get through this and I'm done.
1: Yeah, it, I can taste them sometimes, but to me, it's like somebody used a dish rag for like three months, microwaved it, and then threw yeast on it. And then and then scrunched it out and and that and that's what I taste.
0: It's the yeast. It's the it's it's the traditional Hefe yeast that you don't like, and, okay. and that's not a bad thing. Like the American beer drinkers don't have the palate for it, and it's not a negative thing. It's just we didn't grow up drinking heffies Like if you go to Europe, they grew up drinking heffies Like it's their spring beer. Like it's it's. Mm. You know it's out there, but they got used to it. We're not, we're not used to it. And, and I'll be dead honest with you; like, it's not my favorite style by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but the funny part is, it's the original hazy beer. So this hazy beer <laughs> is taken over America. A hefeweizen was the original hazy beer to the point where you stored the kegs upside down because you didn't want everything to drop to the bottom when you poured it because mm. one of its characteristics is being a cloudy beer. Um, but the American beer drinker, it's just not our thing. Um, and, and like I said, there's it. it's just not our thing.
4: Which and is, so- is kind of interesting, though, because you circle back to, like, that yeast topic and you look at, like, Most of the best brewers in the world and these guys who are, you know, recognized industry-wide and receive all these accolades, guys like Sean Hill, Corey King, um, any of those guys, and what sets them apart. I mean, even John Kimmich at, you know, The Alchemist, Is their yeast strains... And, you know, you can tie back, you know, Nate from Treehouse and Sean Hill and all those guys to similar yeast strains from the Vermont Brew Pub and things like that. And so it's just crazy how much that yeast where you're like, you know, all that's doing is digesting the sugar and making alcohol. But in reality, it's adding a whole other element, and a whole other flavor profile to your beer, which is kind of wild.
0: Yeah, yeast, like the, the, the flavors you get from certain yeast strains is an, is an under understood thing in American brewing from the consumer, not from the brewer, but from the consumer. You can make all the difference in the world on what you're tasting. Um, And a lot of your bigger breweries that are still craft have proprietary yeast and they have worked to cultivate that yeast to give the flavor that they, they want out of it. Now you're going to see that way more and in your Belgians and your heffies and, and your and your bigger bolder beers in, in that stylistic category than you do kind of an IPA, but it still is like a huge part of it. Um, but heffy was was um, it's a huge part of the European beer culture. I mean, it's a huge part of it. Um, it's it's a summer spring beer for them, and they drink a lot of it shit's gross Again, <laughs> difference in it's a difference in in how you were raised on beer
1: yeah sure i mean i have told the story a hundred times you know i have never been a beer i i was i was not a beer fan for the longest time until um you know i had a few blue moons some some summer shandies they started to kind of you know intrigue my palate and then uh, oh, sculpin expensive. sculpin was yeah sculpin was my gateway into like whoa there's some crazy flavorful shit out here and um i remember when
2: you started getting into sculpins i was like this is fucking gross <laughs>
1: <laughs> the regular sculpins it's crazy. even before grapefruit got hype
4: it's crazy though because like i would i remember in college we would go out and we'd buy a 30 pack of paps and then we'd buy a six pack of like something and it was like saranac or sam adams and every time I would drink one, I'd be like, this, this tastes like piss. This is awful.
1: <laughs> and then uh,
4: and then I had a buddy and he's like, yeah, my mom was in Vermont and she gave me this stuff and it was a heady topper and I had my first heady topper and that was what sent me down the rabbit hole. Mm. Rabbit hole that is craft beer and just IPAs became my thing after that. And
0: here we are today.
1: Seth, what's, what was your rabbit hole?
0: Uh, Sierra Nevada Pale.
1: I think you said that. I think we I think we yeah. discussed that
0: on Fish Tour. Yeah, in, uh, in 1999. Dude, that's right.
2: I remember that. I remember when you said that. When we did that
1: episode with yeah. you and, and who was Gov there too? Carrie. Who?
2: Carrie. Carrie.
1: Carrie, that's right. Carrie Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Um you you were like dropping references to shit that went right over my head and you were like, Oh, well that, that summer I was, you know, something something and I was like So what beer did you drink? Like I had no fucking idea what you were talking about. And yeah. then like I listened back to it and I was like, You were definitely doing like a grateful dead or a fish reference, I'm There's guessing. There's a
0: whole lot of references dropped in there, but yeah, fish I went on my parents somehow decided it was a Great idea for me to go on a fish tour when I was seventeen, and uh, I did the whole summer tour. And I drank a lot of Sierra Nevada paleo. And I and I don't get me wrong, like I came back and and still being like college age, going into it, I drank a lot of macro Mm cheap beer throughout college, like a lot. Um, But I and I will still crush a PBR with the best of them. But I have you know my. I don't think my taste changed as much as my wallet, so that made a difference. <laughs> got out of college, got a good job, but you know, yeah. um, so that kind of did it, but you know, I fell ass backwards in this industry, um, and it, it's been awesome. I've loved every minute of it, and it is, but, but Sierra Nevada Pale was definitely that first one where I was like, oh, beer doesn't have to taste like water. Um, that's awesome. Like, this is cool. Like, and I'll be dead honest. Like I didn't love it at first, but it definitely grew on me. Um, my dad was a big England drinker or is, is a big England drinker. And back in those days, like England wasn't what it is now. Um, so I thought that was cool. He also drank a lot of St. Pauli girl. He's in the military. So he spent time in Germany, drank a lot of St. Pauli girl, uh, Beck, Beck's dark, Newcastle, um, Guinness Bass. So I kind of was turned on to this alternative to American macro by him. Um, and then it just kind of flourished
2: from there. I'd have, nice. to say, I'd have to say dinner was the one that like made me feel like, all right, there's no turning back.
1: There's I'm just- glad you brought that up because um, Mr. It's Steve, did you get a dinner? Hat right now? I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, I, just I, still noticed that. That, I still have that treehouse bottle for you too. I don't know why yeah. I keep forgetting. I put it into I put it into like a cardboard box on the side, so it's not in my fridge, and uh, I have it. I have like a vanilla bean something treehouse.
0: Uh, no, no, from uh, from treehouse. Tree
1: Sorry, treehouse.
0: Yeah. I
1: did just drink a mean old Tom. I think it was last night or the night before. And it was fantastic. It's so good. They make such good beers.
0: My but, wife. But heard, I, we just went on a, a main vacation and. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, What do you want to do RM remain? I was like, I mean Go to Maine, Go to Acadia, do this, do that. She's like, what anything else? I'm like, we're definitely spending time in Main Beer. Yeah, uh before, yeah. obviously with, with COVID and everything being a little different now. We went and had lunch and and had a bunch of beers and then um Did
1: on the Eat way lunch home, or drink lunch or both? Both. <laughs> it was great.
0: Lunch with lunch. On the way home, I was like, I wonder if we can pick up a case on the way home. They have a Pilsner that is brewery only right now. Mm. Uh Percy Pilsner is absolutely fantastic, like everything else they do. So we ordered a case from the road. It's only two miles off 95. Yeah. Picked it up and then kept driving back down here. But we did come back with some second dinner, which is one of the better double IPAs I've had in a long time. It's, yep. it's absolutely fantastic. And um, I it's, had
1: second dinner, and I didn't think it was as good as dinner, personally.
0: I but- would tend to agree in that i like dinner a lot second dinner though being what it was i was like mm-hmm. all right I can. Yeah. it's really good and um dinner though is, is it's a stable dip up like, like you can't get around it yeah
1: it's so mike a classic. few weeks ago i was actually in uh westfield which i don't think is far from you
4: i grew up i lived in westfield for five years i went yeah. to westfield high i coached the wrestling team at westfield high no nice
1: well, yeah yeah so i I, uh, I was working out there um for a couple of days okay. and uh and then i went up to china maine china maine china <laughs> if uh, if you haven't been there and um so on the way up i when you're coming from pennsylvania man every time i go to maine it always takes you through you know charlton Yep. and it's it's really easy to hop off on the 20
4: that's why they picked that area yes 84, and 90, 84
1: yeah. I'm always taking it and it's easy to hop off on the 20 yeah. and go hit uh, go hit tree so I hit up Treehouse. I got up uh, to Maine and uh, I went to Maine Brewing and I got a case of dinner second dinner had just close or had just sold out so I wasn't able to get any second dinner but guys I was thinking me mr. Steve and Taylor this way Um we should I don't know, it's gonna be a couple weeks before we record again. Do we wanna sit on dinner for another two weeks? Yes. Or do we or do we do a little live, John, for thirty minutes like next week and just go live and you know,
2: you know what, John? This is a this is a perfect time to talk about something that we need to talk about before we end the show uh, time real quick Um, is that um, you and I spoke uh, briefly uh, about how we're going to try and do these shows uh, moving Mm -hmm. forward. I know that um, during the summer and during COVID, um, you guys have been killing it live. We've been doing a lot of Facebook lives, a lot of YouTube live, and uh, people love it. Uh, And we want to keep doing that. Uh, Mighty Brews is a bi-weekly show on the network. So what we're going to try and do after this week is that we're going to try and record um the night before we put the episode out so that we can mm-hmm. we can do it live i want to do it live and whether i just hit stop after an hour or hour and a half whatever yeah. and then you guys can keep going if you want i don't care but i think that that'll be a really cool thing so that your your listeners uh can can take part in what we're doing and 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 relax and kind of have some beers with us and then the podcast comes out Friday morning, just like it normally would. Um, right. I think that's what we're going to try and do. I think that that would be a really cool thing that we can um, do for the listeners.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds good. But that really didn't answer my question about how we're going to drink this dinner. Uh, do, we do, do we do it next week? Do we, do we wait till the next podcast? Like, is another two weeks going to do any damage, or do we try your, to drink it?
0: What's your born on date on it? That would be determining factor for me, at least. I find me. Maybe- I find their IPAs need to be drank pretty like within probably 60 days um, I go I wouldn't go beyond 6-8 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I want
1: to I want to I want to say that I, 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 I might have noticed a 911 date on it.
0: Okay, so then you you then
2: you've got a couple weeks to spare. Safe, yeah. Yeah. We're good.
1: Okay. Um, so maybe we'll just save that for the next episode.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm all about it
1: so i'm seeing like more and more dark beers i've got a Dunkel. i've got a dark lager in the fridge uh both from treehouse actually but like are just those style dark beers gonna are they more prevalent around this time of year
0: yeah absolutely yeah. um fall. fall they're they're fall fall winter beers um you're not Look, i love porters and stouts as much as anybody When I come in from the 92 degree heat in July in Southeastern Pennsylvania, the last thing I want to do is pour one of those. Um, Dunkel is kind of the same way. And and black lagers or darker lagers are definitely the same way to me. Like in the summer, I want something crisp and refreshing when it gets a little cold outside and I might be sitting around the fire in the Poconos, I'm definitely going to drink darker beers. Um,
1: I haven't found a, uh, a porter that I like.
4: Meet old
1: Tom, right? Well, yeah, that that wasn't bad. You know, you know what my problem is is that I don't like when, when I drink a dark beer that's leaning towards stout. I just want it to be thick and heavy, preferably barrel aged. Isn't and that point of
4: a, a porter? Is to I
1: guess, I, but it's just for some reason to me personally, when I drink a porter, I'm like, I just wish it was heavy and thick. I don't know. It's just my own preference.
0: Yeah, there is definitely that – between a porter and a brown ale is kind of a fine distinction. Um, but there is some damn good stout. Yeah, like a lot of places around here make good stout, and good porters for that matter. Um, but if you want that, that like, richness and, like, coat the glass beer, I would lean towards a stout.
1: For okay. sure, yeah. That's definitely You want my... something
0: to chew on, that's what right. you Exactly.
1: Yeah, that—that's kind of my style for Alfio. I keep asking questions on purpose because my brother's going crazy.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am. You made me do it. You
2: made me do it, John. You made me do it. All right, now I'm gonna—I'm gonna give you time to wrap it up,
1: okay? That's great Wrap it up, e. I'm gonna completely mess it up as soon as you start playing music. I'm gonna anyway, put it in my butt and twist it. I'm gonna put in my butt and <laughs> twist it. <laughs> But Seth, Mike, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys taking some time to hang out with us and just school us, man. It's it's so much fun to learn and to find out new things. And you guys taking your experience and um, you know laying it on us, I really appreciate it.
2: I loved it because I had no idea about any of this stuff. I mean, I knew obviously it's a big deal, but like you guys really put it into perspective. It's words, huge big, huge huge deal. Very very cool stuff. Yeah,
0: i, I have envious of Mike because, like I said, like, I tried to pull that card to go over there. <laughs> that would absolutely miserably. Listen, but I will get good it. Effort.
4: I consider myself fortunate enough to have experienced it once, never mind twice. I mean, like I said, it's it's one small lifetime. I want to go over there for a week just for vacation and do the whole thing. Um on my own, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's, it's been awesome.
1: Hey, if you guys don't mind, I would love to have you on again. Let's find a reason, you know, some excuse. Um, I, I'd appreciate it, man. You guys have been I'm fantastic more, I'm, I'm guests. More,
4: I'm more uh, apt at uh, American IPAs, so if you want to talk about New England IPAs, I can. I can I've, i lectured my girlfriend for three hours on the way to Hill Farmstead a couple weeks ago.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beautiful. Uh, I'm sure Ooh, she loves that. Grove, so so no, there's all nothing out.
3: around. <laughs> there's nothing there.
1: Mr. Steve, you got anything?
3: That's it, man. Let's wrap it up. It is time Thanks, for bed. Thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it.
2: You guys yeah,
1: did you guys fantastic. It's the time to to listen to us, to stream us on YouTube, look at us on Facebook, anything like that. I really appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe, you follow MBN Network, check out network.com. Make sure you check out CBD.com. That's e u n o m i a c b d.com.
2: You got that. You um, killed that, dude.
1: CBD wow. News. The drops, the gummies, the <laughs> multivitamins, delicious bath bombs. They got it all. I was worried I couldn't spell it, man. As soon as I started, yeah, I was like, you started. And I was like, E U N O and oh, N-O. <laughs> but um, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We we did Oktoberfest COVID style, I guess, right? That's it. <laughs> so yeah, we did Saturday
0: it. It's the last Oktoberfest
1: day, so enjoy it. Awesome. All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening, for participating, for checking us out. We will see you next time.